0: to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today we're going to look at this week's series of readings, Proper 27. Proper 27. You'll notice that we always start on Sunday and we end on Saturday. So the first day of the week is a Sunday. And we are looking at scriptures from the book of Joel. Joel is a minor prophet. There are 12 minor prophets and they are located at the end of the Old Testament in the English Bible. Interestingly, that's not the same in the Hebrew Bible. The last uh, books of the Hebrew Bible are not the Minor Prophets. And there's a whole story behind that. So we'll be looking at the book of the prophet Joel. Then we will be continuing our study of Revelation. We're looking at Revelation 18 and 19. And then we begin with the book of James. James comes in after Hebrews. And we'll be looking at James chapter 1, verse 1, through James chapter 2, verse 13. And then, of course, we'll continue our study of Luke's gospel, Luke 14, 12, through Luke 16, 18. So our Old Testament study will be in Joel. Our New Testament study will be in Revelation and James, which are two phenomenally different books. And then our gospel reading will be Luke in Joel, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Now, we don't know when Joel was written. Joel is hard to date. A lot of times, uh, scholars like to figure out who wrote it and when they write it, and who did they write it to, for what reason. And a lot of that is not hard information to discern, but sometimes it is. This is a case where it is. Now, Joel is speaking very emphatically and very strongly because something is very wrong in Israel. And so Joel is going to make an impassioned plea for repentance and people getting their act together. Okay, getting their lives together. Let's hear how he does that. Chapter 1, verse 2. Hear this, you elders. You listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? See what I mean? Tell it to your children, verse 3. Let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep, verse 5. Wail, O you drinkers of wine. Wail, because of the wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. So something terrible is happening, and they want them to be aware of this. Put on sackcloth, O priests, and mourn. So the solution to the problem is verse 13 of chapter 1. Put on sackcloth. Verse 14, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Verse 15, what a dreadful day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like a destruction from the Almighty. So something terrible is happening in the land, and they had better get ready. Now, the getting ready is calling on the name of the Lord and repenting of your sin. Chapter 2, verse 1, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. So he's letting everybody know that some impending doom is coming. And so when impending doom is coming, you get ready for it. For example, if there's a hurricane coming, you want to get ready for the hurricane. You want to know where it is, how big it is, what size it is. Is it coming in your direction? What path is it taking? And if there is some degree of accuracy from the weather forecasters, then you want to prepare yourself from that. You might even have to evacuate depending on where you live. The day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, verse 2 of chapter 2, a day of clouds and blackness, like dawn sweating across, spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old, nor ever will be in ages to come. And then he just keeps, he keeps talking about this in very beautiful poetic language. Now, remember, Joel is a prophet. So he's hearing what God is saying, and he is, he is preparing the people for that disaster, for that coming, okay? Verse 11 of chapter 2, the Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? And so he calls on those to obey him and to do exactly what he says. And so then he says in chapter two, verse 12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. So in preparation for the impending doom that's coming, people need to confess their sins, repent of their sins, and turn to the Lord. Verse 13, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And so the day of the Lord is going to come. You want to be prepared for that day. You want to respond in kind to the Lord. I will repay, Verse chapter 2, verse 25, for the years the locusts have eaten. Now, there's going to be some destruction, but I'm going to restore you. So, when impending doom is coming, and judgment comes because of our sin, the prophets always call people to repentance. And then after the catastrophe happens, and sometimes God doesn't bring it because they... Ask forgiveness. That's what happened in the book of Jonah with Nineveh. Remember? He will restore them. Then you will, uh, he says, uh, verse 26, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God. Now, chapter 2, verse 29 to 32 was quoted in Acts chapter 2 about the coming of the Holy Spirit that Peter quotes from Joel. It's probably the most famous chapter and verse in Joel. And Peter quotes it when the Holy Spirit comes on them at 9 o'clock in the morning and the world is forever changed by the coming of the Spirit, which Jesus said was going to happen at the end of Luke's Gospel, 24th chapter, and in the first chapter of Acts. Verse 28. And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And then he begins to share that message. Let me read... Verse 32 to you. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is what, brothers and sisters, constitutes salvation. Calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord. Okay? And so we end in chapter 3. The Lord, verse 16b, the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Now, it's a wonderful three chapters to deal with what happens when we sin against the Lord what the solution to that problem is, what the day of judgment looks like and sounds like, certainly poetically and actually, what restoration looks like and who God is. And so you have a greater appreciation for uh, God when you look at the book of Joel. Interestingly, when we turn to Revelation 18, so I hope you enjoy, enjoy Joel very much, when you look at chapter 18 of the book of Revelation, you'll see some impending doom there also. We started at 1815. And he talks about, Whoa, whoa, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. Okay? In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. That's what God can do. He can destroy you in seconds. And you might have built up that great wealth for... Weeks, months, years, decades, several decades, a century, and it could be all gone in just a second. Woe, woe, O oh great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through their, her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, O oh heaven, verse 20. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she treated you. So back to the idea of judgment. Back to the idea of woes happening because we do not do what God says. Woes inflicted upon us. uh, Wrath inflicted upon us because of our sinfulness against the Lord. And so he shares that in chapter 18. Now chapter 19 is the opposite of that. He is praising the Lord. After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. Verse 1. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So the individual that recognizes who is the Savior, where the glory is coming, and where the power is, is going to do very well. If the person goes and does whatever they want to do and moves away from the Lord and does not listen to his word and does not listen to what he says, that person is not, or that nation or that community or that family are not going to do well. He says, salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgment. So when he judges, he is right to do so. Not only is he righteous in his being, he is right in his actions. He is just in his actions when he inflicts um, condemnation. He has condemned the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And they shouted, Alleluia. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Now, there's praise of the Lord in verse 5. There's praise of the Lord in verse 6. He says at the end of verse 7, the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Then he says in verse 9, a very comforting scripture, "Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. You want to be invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. In verse 11, 1911 to 21, I saw heaven standing open. This is John speaking the writer of Revelation. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flaming fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one but he himself knows. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, verse 15. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. See, he, he, Jesus, is the ultimate judge. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Remember, Jesus is a king. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. There is the judgment and there is the wrath of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Okay. So you want to be ready for that day. You want to be ready for his coming. You want, to be, you want to prepare yourself for not receiving the wrath of the Lord. You want to put yourself in a situation where there is no wrath and there is no judgment and condemnation against you as there will be against those who do not obey the word of the Lord. So our lectionary stops there and then goes to James, as I said earlier. Let's look at James chapter 1. Now, James is a very, very good book and very practical theology, what we call practical theology. You just read it. Now, I'm very much in favor of commentaries. I'm very much in favor of study Bibles. So if you have a study Bible or a commentary at your disposal, please use them. But in James, you could just read it straight out because it tells you exactly what to do. Very plain English. Very plain language, and that is our. um, the Bible said you reading in James are not difficult. He says, uh, let me just pick a few of them. If any of you, verse uh, 5 of chapter 1, lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think, he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So act with faith. Ask with faith. Seek the Lord. Remember, Jesus talked about knocking will be open to you. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask in faith. Let's look at verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when? By his own de- evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed, verse 15. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's how the whole cycle of sin works. Sin is serious because if you continue, or I continue to sin, when if it gets fully developed, it'll kill you. It'll kill you spiritually. And, of course, that's the goal, is to kill you and me spiritually. Don't be deceived, my brothers, verse 16. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows so all good gifts come from the Lord from above verse 19 my brothers take note of this everybody should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of of God planted in you, which can save you. Don't merely listen to the word he says in verse 22, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All kinds of reading can do you good, but if you don't do what the reading says out of the scriptures, it doesn't do you any good. Good common sense language from James. Now, Uh, He says in verse 26 of chapter one, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. You'll see in chapter three, when we get to chapter three, that James places a very, very high premium on the tongue and tells us what kind of influence it can be in our lives. In chapter two, one to 13, we are talking in the scriptures about not showing favoritism. That's a hard thing to do not show favoritism. And he talks about people that are dressed not very well and pretty poor and us treating him or her badly. We should not do that. And so James gives us some very good practical advice about about how to receive people, how to care for people, and how to treat people. Look at what he says uh, in verse 13. Speak in 12. Let's go to 12 first of chapter uh, 2. Speak and act of those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown on anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So you could read James all five chapters your whole life, just reading and reading and reading and reading over and over again what the wonderful words mean, and you could never exhaust their power. Very much like Revelation 18 and 19, who bring the woes and bring the good news to us, and bring a depiction of Jesus, as we saw in chapter 19. But Joel is sounding the alarm to, the, to them. So there's a nice balance of readings today. Let's see what the book of Luke says for us today that helps round out our time together. Luke 14, 12. 14, 12. Um, and he's talking about giving a lunch or a dinner and in, not just inviting your friends, but inviting people that would not pay you back. Very radical statement from Jesus. Then he has the parable of the great banquet, another opportunity to teach them. And then the cost of following Christ. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, this is verse 26, his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yet even his, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So in following Christ or being a Christian person, there, there is involved sacrifice and doing things you don't want to do, doing things you don't want to do. You're carrying your cross. It's also indication of a, an instrument of death that we are dying to ourselves and rising alive to Christ. Then he talks about um, making good decisions in your life. Someone, some, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? If he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everybody will ridicule and say, The fellow began to build and not able to finish. And so be very wise about how you build. Be very wise about how you lay a foundation. Be very wise in the way you think about what you are doing on a daily basis. Make sure it's founded in Christ. Now, in chapter 15, it's a, those two chapters are very, I mean, this, those two sections are very, very uh, significant. In, um, in uh, chapter 15 of Luke, you have the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son, which you've all heard about. And it's the value of the lost sheep. Are you going to leave the 99 to go find the lost sheep? Well, that's what God does. The prodigal son is saved by God Almighty, and he comes and returns to the Father. And then, of course, you have the lost coin, where the person lights a lamp, sweeps the house searches carefully until she finds it. She calls her friends and is so excited that she found her lost coin. Can you imagine? In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. Now, remember I talked about repentance in Joel. Nice juxtaposition of readings this week. And God is calling them to repentance. Just because he's calling you to repentance doesn't mean you're going to repent. But when you do repent in heaven, there is great rejoicing. So coming back to the father, as we saw in the parable of the prodigal son, being found by the shepherd who comes and searches and looks for you, as God does, very, very significant scriptures about the idea of um, being in God, knowing God, God comes after you, God searches you when you are lost. And when you are not found, and he finds you and brings you back into the fold, as we will see. As we saw sadly at the end of the parable of the prodigal son, the elder son is jealous and upset because he didn't get the kind of celebration that he should have gotten for being faithful. And his father brilliantly replies uh, that, My son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I know you've done a lot. I know you've been faithful to me. I appreciate it very much. But your brother is totally lost and we have to celebrate. Just as the lady did when she swept the house and she found the lost coin. It is a great thing when people repent and return to the Lord. Because ultimately, that's where our eternal salvation is born. Finally, let's look at chapter 16, 1 through 18, the parable of the shrewd manager, which is a fascinating parable about how the person was in serious trouble losing his job, but he comes to his senses and he makes a deal with all of the manager's creditors and he is able to get his money back. And the, uh, the manager was very impressed by that, very impressed by that. The rich man and, and um, Lazarus we will look at next week. And that is the second half of chapter 16 in Luke. And so we have here, I didn't say any miracles, did I? I basically said of things that Jesus is teaching. So you have a component in Luke where he is casting out devils. He is healing people. He is doing nature miracles. He is interacting with the crowds. Uh, But there is also a very strong aspect of Luke where he is teaching them. So we see that in James today. In Joel, it's more a prophetic word that God wants them to respond to. Hey, listen, something terrible is happening. Here's how you need to respond. And Revelation is showing the woes that are present in 18 when we do not do what God says and the joy of doing what God says with the wedding supper of the Lamb in chapter 19. So the reason the lectionary is so wonderful, one of the reasons it is, it gives you uh, a different way to look at God and Christ and our salvation because God speaks on different levels in different genres and gi- different ways. And then if you can see how he's doing that and somehow tie them together or at least reflect upon yourselves or for yourselves and pray about what God is saying to you, that is a wonderful thing. Well, lots to think about for proper 27. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless you. And next week we'll be looking at proper 28.